In this episode of the Microgreens podcast, I want to talk about the blackout period, not specifically what the blackout period is, but how I go about performing the blackout. Welcome to the Microgreens podcast. I'm your host, Todd Marsh, and I'm on a mission to help you, teach you, and motivate you to grow flavorful and nutritious microgreens in your home. Each Microgreens podcast is meant to supplement content published on homemicrogreens.com, but in reality, the show is more about sharing with you the joys of growing your own food. Not only is it more nutritious, but seeing those plants grow will lift your spirits, bring a smile to your face, and give you a positive outlook on life. Let's get started. Welcome to the Micah Greens Podcast, episode number 37. Today I'm going to be talking about the blackout period, how I perform it, what I do, what are the steps, what I use. Those are going to be the topics. As a reminder, the Micah Greens Podcast is brought to you by the Home Micah Greens Store, which has a large selection of competitively priced Micah Greens seeds and supplies. You can also go down in the show notes and click the support button. And for as little as $3 a month, you can support the Micah Greens podcast. In the episode today about the blackout period, I'm not going to talk about what the blackout period is. You can go to episode number 31 of the Micah Greens podcast, or you can go to the show notes at homemicagreens.com forward slash 31. And there'll be a whole list of articles, including my four article series on the different blackout the different types of blackout periods that I do use depending on the microgreen variety. Today, I want to concentrate on what I use for the blackout period. Now, if you buy, if you've bought any of the home microgreens kits, I include the lid of the container and that's what most people use. I've used that tons of times and it works great. I'm going to go through that whole process of using that as a, for the blackout period. Recently, I have changed over to chloroplast or corrugated plastic Uh, because it's a little bit more stable when I'm stacking microgreen trays. And I want to go over the benefits of using Coroplast for the blackout period and maybe some of the cons of using it. First, let's just start out what comes with the home microgreens kit. It's basically an opaque or translucent, I don't know how you want to define those terms, of piece of plastic. It's just a lid to the container and you place it upside down on top of the seeds or the soil if you're using the buried method. And what that does is it transfers weight that you're going to place on top of this lid to the seeds and soil, which helps the microgreens grow. And again, if you don't understand the blackout period, you know, just go to episode 31 or to the show notes and you can find more information there about what the blackout period is. But I just want to talk today about what I use. So when I use this lid, I flip it upside down so that it presses on the majority of the soil. Now there is some soil along the outside that it might not touch. Generally that is sloped and there's not many seeds there anyways. And even though it's opaque, I always I always throw a towel over the top of it, which will block any of the light. The towel also does something else. It actually helps hold in a little bit of the warmth, which for me, since I always keep the house pretty cool, is beneficial. Now, the only downfall to using this lid is if you're stacking up two or three trays, it can get a little tippy. It's not particularly stable because the lid is actually resting completely on the soil and not really on the edge of the tray. And I've had, I have had these tip over, not because the lids make it that unstable, but that the microgreens have grown and pushed everything above them off. While if you're using the core plast, it sort of rests on a tray, it's a little bit wider platform, and it's not quite as tippy if you're stacking multiple trays. However, when I'm still growing microgreens, just single tray, single layer, I still generally use the opaque top. I just have them. I just put it on top. 
I put my weight on it. As far as weights, that's probably something else I probably talk about. I have talked about it in the other blackout um, articles and podcast. But for the home microgreens tray, something under 50 square inches, I generally use about two and a half pounds. For anything bigger than that, up to say 1010, I generally add about five pounds. For 1020 trays, I add about 10 pounds. And for weights, I just use the round dumbbell weights, the ones that you would slide onto a bar. I do, however, think that you can use more weight for the 1010s and the 1020s. I know some people use the cement blocks that you get at the Home Depot or the Lowe's. I forget what exactly size they are, but they will fit inside of a 1020 tray. And I think they're about 15 pounds. Some people use those and they work just fine. I just go with a lighter weight. It's just what I have around, and I'm not going to go buy any separate blocks since I have these weights anyways. So I talked about what I use with my smaller trays. I just use those lids. But what if you have an odd size tray or the 1010 or the 1020 trays? Well, I use Coreplast, which is a uh, corrugated plastic. It's exactly the same stuff that they use for the political signs that you see along the side of the road. You can buy sheets of it. I believe they're two feet by three feet or two feet by 30 inches. At, I buy them at Michael's, but any art store should carry those. I call these tray separators because that's exactly what we're doing. We're using the coroplast to separate the bottom tray from the upper tray. For convenience, I also do sell um, coroplast cut to my home microgreens trays and the 1010 trays in the home microgreens store. You can buy it a lot cheaper at any art store for yourself and cut it. That's what you're that's what you're paying me for is basically to take the time to cut these into size. I don't sell the 1020s yet. When I do get 1020 trays and I have larger boxes, I may make um, tray separators for the 1020s too using the Coreplast. But I'm not really recommending that you go to the home microgreen store and buy these tray separators because you can make your own a lot cheaper. But I have sold quite a bit. I think I go through about 15 sheets every month and I get, I don't know, two 10 by 10s and several uh, home microgreens trays out of one sheet. So people are buying them for convenience sake, but again, you can go make your own. There's no trade secret here. It's just Coroplast cut with a knife. Why I like the Coroplast is it's easy to clean. It's just taking a wet sponge with a little bit of bleach on it and wiping it off and you're all set for the next tray. It also fits across the lid, the whole lid of the tray the whole edges of the tray and makes the whole thing a lot more stable when you're stacking trays up. However, this does mean that you need to put soil, if you're using the uh, weighted method or the buried method, right to the top of the tray because the edges of the tray stop the coroplast. The coroplast is firm enough that it won't sag down onto the soil. With the whole microgreens trays lid, that lid is convexed and it will set right down on the seed so you don't necessarily need the soil right to the very edge of the tray. When I first started in microgreens, the first person I watched on YouTube actually used paper towels, like the brown pa- rolls of paper towels. He'd make a sheet, double it up, wet it down, put it on top, and then put another microgreen tray on top of that. I didn't like that because I kept tearing microgreens up when I took that paper towel off. Then I tried just putting a tray on top like a lot of people do, just the bottom of the next tray. But all the seed hulls that come off the seeds as the plants are growing on the bottom tray stick to the bottom of that tray. And when you set that tray down, it just makes a mess everywhere. So I don't really like that. You know, it is handy is that you don't have to have the soil right to the top of the tray you're placing it on. But it really makes a mess when you do that. 
So for all my larger trays, I generally I use a core blast. It's quick, it's simple, and it doesn't make a mess, and it's easy to clean, and it's easy to sanitize. Now, you could really use any type of firm or solid plastic as a tray separator, but I do like the coroplast, the corrugated plastic, because it's just more stable. There's, I don't have to ever worry about trays tipping over unless I leave sun polars way too long and they push everything over. But for the most part, it's a very stable system. There can be some cons to using something like that, because in reality, you're really sealing off that tray. You're placing that coroplast on the whole edge of the tray, and you're really not letting any air exchange. So you could have some mold issues, especially with seeds like sunflowers or any of the rough seeds and nasturtiums, anything that has a lot of grooves or a soft hull that can hold uh, fungus spores. So how do I get around those issues? Say I have the tray separator on top of the trays. I lift it off, check in the germination, and I see a little bit of mold. I see a little bit of mold. I just generally don't worry about it. As soon as those microgreens or that tray goes underneath the lights, and is in more airflow, that mold will die. The UV light from the lights or any sunshine will kill that mold. I'm not talking about trays that are completely covered with mold, but trays that have patches of mold here or there. I think people are really too worried about mold. A little bit here and there is not going to hurt anything. The light and the airflow is going to kill it. If you want to know more about killing mold, you can go back to episode number 14. I believe it is homemakergreens.com forward slash 014. That podcast has a lot of tips on how to control mold. The coroplast can also be a problem in really hot temperatures. As I said before, I don't really regulate the temperatures where I grow microgreens very well. I know I should. I should be keeping them around 72 or 75 degrees, but I don't. Sometimes it's in the low 60s, and the summer can actually go up into the 90s. And that's when I can run into problems. When it gets really warm, we run into problems where the tray separators are holding in the heat and extra moisture. So what do I do in that case? That's when I revert revert back to the old 1020 trays. The 1020 trays I have from Bootstrap Farmer have pretty aggressive grooves in the bottom. Do I want to call them grooves? They're more like channels that run the whole longitudinal axis of the tray. By placing those trays on the soil, it actually is allowing some air exchange through those longitudinal grooves. Is it perfect? No, it is not perfect. Oftentimes, the middle of the tray has problems. A lot of times, the seed won't germinate. It was just too warm. And if it's that warm, either I go on vacation and don't grow microgreens, or I take my 1020s and break them down into two 10x10s. The 10x10s have less surface area on the inside. More air can get into it from the edges, and we don't have all that burnout or the dead seeds in the middle of the tray. Now, I'm sure most of you control your temperatures inside your home a lot better than I do. So if you have your air conditioning on in the summer, even if it's just 78 or even 80 degrees, you're probably going to be fine with just the tray separators. I wouldn't change until you have problems. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If your grow area is getting up near the 80s, it's a good time to also cut down on your seed density. And now is the time for the shameless plug. Don't forget, I do have a seed density course out. It contains two calculators, one that will give you the perfect seed density in grams and also the perfect seed density in teaspoons, tablespoons, or quarter cups, depending on the seed, on the microgreen variety. And that calculator will work for any tray size under a 20 by 20 tray. If you want to check out that course, you can go to homemicrogreens.com forward slash seed dash course. And again, there'll be a link in the show notes of this episode. That's at homemicrogreens.com 
forward slash three seven. I also want to mention that the seed density course is open to everyone, meaning you don't have to be in the United States to purchase the seed course. All right, it's time for a recap. During the weighted or buried blackout method, I don't like to use another tray for a tray separator. The bottom of the tray gets dirty and you end up making a mess. I like to use some sort of solid plastic material, some smooth solid plastic material that will rest on top of the seeds and can be easily cleaned and sanitized. The lids to home microgreen tray work well. Also core plastic or corrugated plastic works really well. I still use the lid that comes with the home microgreens tray when I'm stacking one tray on top of another. Or if I'm stacking two or more or I'm using a very aggressive growing microgreen like peas or sunflower seeds, I will use the corrugated plastic because it's a much more stable base for a whole stack of microgreens. I don't like to use the bottom of the tray right on top of the seeds and soil because it just makes a mess. However, I will use the bottom of a tray, especially if it has deep grooves in it, if it's really warm out to let some air flow into the seeds. Most of the times, if it is warm out, I will just reduce the tray size so that all areas of the tray are closer to the edges than if I use a whole large 1020 tray. A good tray separator will be something that will be easy to clean and sanitize, something you can lift easily off the tray without damaging the sensitive microgreens underneath, and it can support the weight above it without tipping over or becoming unstable. For those reasons, that's why I've gone to the Coroplast or the corrugated plastic. I hope you found the content in this podcast useful. I know a couple of people, couple of people have reached out to me and asked what I do use for tray separators, so I decided to do a podcast on the topic. If you have any questions anytime, you can always reach out to me at Todd at HomeMicrogreens.com and I'll answer you as soon as I can. In the meantime, I hope you have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Microgreens podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. It really helps out the podcast. As always, stop by HomeMicrogreens.com and say hello. Now before the next show, plant your next tray of micros. Let's keep growing.